You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Friday. January 21st. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. You could check me out on Twitter, at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and then at L-O underscore Padres for the show account which has all sorts of memes and dreams on there that I think you guys will appreciate very much. And as always, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag. First listen, every day we are free and available on all platforms, even if today, not necessarily uh, your first listen, because once again, a little bit of a delayed episode, guys. My apologies, I'm still very sick. If you hear me sneezing a bunch on today's episode, that is why. Okay, that is why, especially for my YouTube folk. Uh, but anyway, guys, and by the way, yeah, Lockdown Pirates on YouTube. What are you doing? We're trying to get to 200 subscribers. Go check it out. Uh, today's episode, guys, we are talking about the Padres rotation. And more specifically, I want to focus in a lot on who are the candidates for that fifth spot, right? Because the Padres actually have a lot. And the more that I actually thought about it, the more I said, you know what? Remember how a bunch of months ago I was saying that the Padres were in like DEFCON 2 when it came to needing a starting pitcher, which... Whatever is the second, not worst one. I think four is the worst. So DefCon 2, that'd be not as bad. I actually retract that, and I think that the Padres are probably at DefCon 1. But it's it's confusing uh, which pitcher that they need. You know what I'm saying? Who is going to be the person that steps up, and who is going to be the person that fills in that last number five spot? First thing we're going to talk about, though, is the first four people in the rotation, guys. And... A lot of them are pretty obvious, in my opinion, anyway. Um, I think that a lot of them... Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm trying so hard right now not to sneeze. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that the first four are somewhat obvious who they're going to be. And the other thing that's somewhat obvious is that the solution to this problem or question is probably going to be found in the spring training. I actually think that this spring training is going to be a lot more important and interesting than the last spring training for the Padres, in the sense that we're actually going to learn quite a lot, I think. Because last year it was like, well, you brought in Snell, you brought in Darvish, you brought in Musgrove, you have them, you saw, you have Grisham and all these guys, you have Cronenworth, he's clearly going to be a second baseman, all this stuff. It was pretty obvious kind of what we were heading for, at least in my opinion. (laughs) But let's still talk about the starting four guys that are going to be the Padres rotation, guys. Those four are you, Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell, and Mike Clevenger, by my approximation. Now, I don't mean that in necessarily in order. I don't know who will be the opening day starter. It could be you, Darvish. I don't think it will, though. I think it's still going to be Joe Musgrove. He was by far the best starting pitcher for the Padres last year. His ERA was similar both times this season. He never had like necessarily that... Aside from the no-hitter, he just didn't have a valley. You know what I mean? He only had the high. And for the most part through the season, yes, he'd get beat up, but he would bounce back immediately, have that curveball usage and the slider, and to make up for the fastball stuff, he should be the number one starter. And I don't think anyone really debates that. Number two, probably going to be Blake Snell or you Darvish. One of those two. And it's very interesting because I think that a lot of people are just so bullish on Blake Snell for this season. 
Um, I know that a friend of mine, Colby Olson, ranked him amongst, I think, number 18 or 17 in his top 20 starting pitchers. That's an article you should go check out at Just Baseball. He's a very analytic guy. And basically with Blake Snell, you say, yeah, he was pretty bad for the most of um, the 2021 season, right? His ERA finished at 4.2, but it was a lot higher at one point. I think it even reached a 5 at one point. And what happened is Snell was so much more dominant and looking like himself in the second half. And a big reason for that was relying more on his fastball-slider combo. Instead of trying to get cute and using the change-up and using some curveballs and whatnot, the curveball was getting tee up, teed up on. It hung in there too much. And I talk about this with Musgrove. Musgrove's curveball can hang in there too much, and it gets launched for home runs every time batters kind of key in on it. But Snell, it was like he couldn't even get a whiff on it. His whiff percentages on all those pitches were just not very good last year. But highest strikeout percentage in Major League Baseball among qualified starting pitchers in August. He was awesome. And I think that with the addition of Ruben Niebla as the pitching coach, I think we could see some some fun stuff start to to take place here. I think Blake Snell is going to be very, very good. Then you have the last two guys, which are Darvish and Mike Clevenger. You, Darvish, let's just remind everybody that this guy, from his 2020 and 2019 seasons, especially the second half of 2019, had been one of the most dominant starting pitchers in baseball. Finished with a 3.98 ERA with the Cubs in 2019. But a lot of the good from that came from the second half. And then you had, in 2020 with the Cubs, a 2.01 ERA, 76 innings, and 93 punch-outs, which was very, very good. You Darvish has always been capable of getting those punch-outs. But here's the question about you Darvish. Is he a guy that needs some fine-tuning? Is he a guy that maybe having new pitching coaching and stuff like that, like I mentioned with Snell, around him could be helpful? What I mean by that most importantly is... It's so fun to watch this guy. It is so fun to hear him talk about how he has 12 pitches, right? It's so much fun when he has one that he calls the Supreme, which is, I think it's like a knuckle cutter or whatever that has some fastballs. I don't know what it was. I love that stuff. It's so much fun, and I love characters like Darvish in the game. However, we just saw what happened with Blake Snell. Would it actually benefit you, Darvish, to be a master more of a four, just four pitches maybe, or even three? Right, Four or three pitches that he can use and he can rely on a lot more. Would that pay more dividends than being this guy who, yeah, it's really intimidating as a batter with someone you just don't know what they're going to throw. Aaron Nola is a good example where he has four pitches that he throws basically all the same percentage of time. But you Darvish, it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't be... You know, relying on some of these these other pitches that just aren't as effective for sake of changing things up, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that's my thing with Darvish. I think that hopefully he can bounce back. But then again, he is a bit older. So it would not surprise me. I'm going to say this is my take of the podcast. If Darvish is the weakest starting pitcher of the rotation next year, I don't think it's because of the talent necessarily. I just think we see this happen in baseball. He is older. Maybe he had that like final, you know, like I said, since the second half of 2019, he'd been one of the most best dominant pitchers in baseball. Maybe he's finally just starting to fall off a little bit in his age 35 season, but even still great strikeout percentage. And if you Darvish is like your number four, you're doing really well. And then the last guy is Mike Clevenger, who we don't know too much about in terms of his recovery from what I've heard. Some inside sources that I can't necessarily name, but um, they have said that it sounds like he's he's proceeding well. And I know that a lot of Padres fans don't trust it because when have you ever trusted health when it comes to Padres pitchers? This has been an issue for a very long time now. Um, 
for about three years, especially now that they've become more contenders. Um, but in theory, Mike Clevenger, a lot of people talked about Cal Quantrill and how he's been doing well with Cleveland. That is true. It is unfortunate they had to give him up. But remember, at the time, it made sense, all right? The Padres farm system was a lot more stacked when they first made that trade. And also, Cal Quantrill, good pitcher, I think. He's probably going to have a decent major league career. But Mike Clevenger was a star. Just a reminder, at the time the Padres acquired him, the lowest ERA marks amongst starting pitchers in Major League Baseball were Jacob DeGrom with a 2.49, Clayton Kershaw with a 2.64, Max Scherzer uh, with a 2.71, Justin Verlander with a 2.82, and Mike Clevenger with a 2.97. At the time they acquired him, at that deadline in 2020, those are the lowest marks amongst all starting pitchers, not just for one year, by the way, but since 2017. Mike Clevenger is that dude. So if he comes back and if he is healthy, I have no doubt that he's a sleeper in fantasy drafts. He's going to be a sleeper for the rest of the league. He could be that thing that really pushes the Padres up ahead and reminds everybody that's like, hey, maybe Snell and maybe Darvish don't necessarily figure it out this year. If you could have those two aces in Musgrove and um, Mike Clevenger, that's already a lot more than a lot of people have. So there's a lot to be optimistic about, guys. But before we talk about that coveted number five spot, all right, before we get into that, because that's really the big question about this episode. I've been pontificating about you, Darvish, and Mr. Musgrove and all these guys, right? But you want to know about the number one, number one guy. That's good. Not the number one guy. The number five guy. The number one candidate for the number five spot. That's what I mean, guys. But before we talk into that, guys, let me talk to you about something that isn't up for contention, that isn't up for debate, guys. And that's what the best protein bar in all the land is. We're talking about built bars, of course, guys. If it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so dang good. You're gonna want to eat it. You're not gonna want to have the the Snickers bars. You're not gonna need a piece of pecan pie. You'll be fine because you got Built Bars, guys. What I love about them: covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They are delicious. Just reading the health-related factoids of this thing, though, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, and you're just living, my friend. You're just living. And of course, what I love about them the most, aside from just the metrics and whatnot, great variety of flavors, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, my mom's favorite cherry barcia, my favorite apple almond crisp, and Locked On's favorites uh, coconut brownie chunk, guys, and many, many more, and probably many more to come. So, guys, what are you waiting for? Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And let's keep it moving, ladies and gentlemen. We keep it moving. Let's talk about that number five spot of the Padres rotation. And again, let me just remind you, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. Tweet at me using that hashtag. I would love to see it. Um, Let's talk about it, guys. Let's talk about it. So the way I see it is there are a bunch of candidates for this number five spot. Some of them obvious, right? Number five. Chris Paddock. He was basically the fifth starter for the majority of the season, especially when you take into account the next guy, Denelson Lamette. He's the second guy that's in contention for that number five spot because Denelson Lamette was just in and out of the lineup. They tried to work him back in. I still remember 
and it, I know that this annoys a lot of Padres fans. I still remember when it was kind of being reported, all systems go. Pretty sure Jace Tingler said that. Or AJ Preller. One of the two. All systems go. Really? Okay. And then what happened? He went out for one inning and then left with a forearm tightness injury. Okay, so you have those guys. Look, see, I'm already sniffling. Then you have Mr. Ryan Weathers, who in the second half... In the second half, let me just read you some starts. Let's start with August 16th at Colorado. Or actually, no, no, no. Let's let's just... I don't even want to recap these, actually. Let me just say, in 2021, he finished with a 5.32 ERA after looking like one of the more, like, dominant rookie kind of standouts. With the exception of, like, Trevor Rogers and Jonathan India, there was a point where Ryan Weathers was coming up big, and he was a gamer. One thing that I remember about Ryan Weathers, too, was that... um, he loved raking. Like, when he was hitting, he swung that bat harder than I've seen a, a pitcher. And, like, with more enthusiasm than I'd seen a pitcher. Kind of, like, in a really long time. In a really long time. But, um, I ah, see. Sorry, guys. Again, if you hear the sniffling, my apologies. I am trying my best. I am dying out here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my Lord almighty. Um, anyway, as I was saying, so he's another candidate. But, like I mentioned, his splits... First half and second half. Let's just look at this really quickly. 2.91 ERA in the first half over the course of, let me see, 58 innings. Didn't have a ton of strikeouts, but even still, uh, still managed to put 42 punch outs over those 58 innings. Was a good control guy. Was he getting lucky? Yeah, a little bit. Some of the ground ball stuff and the BABIP was certainly going in his favor. Some decent defense by guys like Machado and guys like Cronworth probably helping out a little bit. But then... Second half, I did not expect this much of a regression, but this is what happened. In the second half, Ryan Weathers had a 9.25 ERA over 36 innings pitched. The only reason it wasn't as many innings is because, one, he was a little bit on an innings limit, being a young guy that he is, and then two, because they had to move into the bullpen because he was that disastrous. And even moments in the bullpen, like a game September 29th against the Dodgers, three innings, gave up five runs, or against the Angels on August 28th when he went three innings and also gave up three runs. He's had some bad moments. But again, there's still potential there. It was his first year. I know he was absolutely disastrous in that second half. But at least, let's point up, he, he's a contender. So, you got Paddock, you got Lamette, and then you have, um, what's his face? Ryan Weathers. And now, for the last two candidates for this fifth spot. One of them is arguably the most confounding like prospects that we've seen in baseball in a long long time and i'm saying that as someone who isn't necessarily a prospect fiend but someone who pays a lot of attention to other people who know about prospects that's mckenzie gore okay mckenzie gore i don't even know what to tell you i don't even want to bring up numbers bottom line is this he was the top-rated pitching prospect in all of baseball heading into the 2020 season. Then, he mysteriously just stopped pitching for three buds, was getting lit up, had a lot of control issues, had a leg kick issue, and all of a sudden, some people even have him outside of the MLB Top 100 prospects. A guy who was getting Clayton Kershaw comparisons because of the fact that he has four-plus pitches, because of the fact that while the fastball isn't, you know, have the biggest velocity in the world, it tops out around 95, at least at this point, um, he just could wipe you out with all these other pitches. Just a mix master, from what I understand, right? And all of a sudden, he has absolutely crashed. But here's the interesting thing. 
with Mackenzie Gore. And next week, I'm probably going to be talking with my buddy Arm Layton, who recently did his Padres Top 10 Prospects over at Just Baseball. Definitely recommend checking that out. It's a really, really great and phenomenal read. Arm is awesome. Going to have him on the show to break it down more probably next week. But um, it's just a lot of people are wondering, should the Padres trade Mackenzie Gore? And my opinion on that is... I just don't think you can because you would be selling so, so low on the guy. All right. Remember, you still have some questions to rotation. How long is Darvish going to be around? Right? He's 35. How long is Musgrove going to be around? I love to resign him, but he is a free agent. Right. That does need to be put out into this. Mike Clevenger, you only have him for one year because the first year he had to rehab because of that Tommy John surgery. So having Mackenzie Gore and keeping him. It's become a little bit more of a lottery ticket than we expected. Don't get me wrong. It is frustrating with Mackenzie Gore. But I still think that it, it just would not make sense to trade him. If I'm another team, I want to trade for this guy, counting on the Padres' history of, you know, lackluster results when it comes to starting pitchers. I would bet on that if I'm another team. I'd be like, we could do better than those guys. Let's do it. Bring him, bring him over. Bring him over. So for Mackenzie Gore, he's definitely in contention. Is he a guy that maybe you just want to throw out there and be like, all right, at some point, we need to just figure out does this guy have something, right? We've been waiting forever. He was probably, a lot of people thought he was going to debut in 2020. Seriously, a lot of people thought second half. And then remember in the playoff game, when Clevenger went down, Lament went down, Ryan Weathers came in, a lot of people were wondering, was that a bad sign? The way a lot of people saw it was, no, Ryan Weathers is more of a bullpen guy. This is just more of a situation that makes sense for him. And it was okay to bring him in for a spot start while Gore, a little bit more of a full-fledged, that guy's going to be an all-star and all this stuff. Maybe we misplaced that, right? Maybe we misplaced that. And then the last one that I want to talk about is not, actually, straight up, just isn't as interesting as the rest of these guys, right? And that's Adrian Morejon, still a very, very young prospect for the Padres at just 23 years old. And I know what you're thinking. You're looking at the just the basic numbers. In 2020, in nine games and 19 innings, he had a 4.66 ERA, 25 Ks across 19 innings, which is pretty solid, and only four walks. That's very impressive. But I just think he's one of those guys that when you watch him, you're like, there might be something here. He is a great, great, great example of why it stunk that the Padres had no depth last year because he tore his uh, UCL. He had the Tommy John last year. And that's another thing that needs to be mentioned is a lot of this rotation stuff with the Padres does depend on health. Let me be very clear. But losing Morejon, when that happened, I don't think we realized how much of an impact that really was because having a guy like that towards the end of the season when he had all these injuries was huge. Or I should say it could have been huge. Who would you rather have, Adrian Morejon or Jake Arrieta? Who would you rather have? Jake Ari, or I'm sorry, Vincent Velasquez or Adrian Bornejon? I'll take Adrian Bornejon. I think that guy throws hard. He's still young. And honestly, just overall, I don't think he's quite had the, the, the opportunity just yet to go out there and prove himself. You know what I mean? I just think he just hasn't had, hasn't had the opportunity. And I think that when he gets it in a more full sample size, everyone's talking about how Cal Quattro was raking over for the, the Cleveland. Raking. The incorrect word to use when describing pitchers, but nonetheless, I will be using it. Um, what if, you know, Adrian Monahan could be that guy? I have not heard enough on his rehab and development, but I'm just saying that is a guy that we should keep our eye on who could make some spot starts for the Padres this year. But before we talk about just like even more in depth about the other guys that could fill out this fifth rotation spot for the Padres guys, let me talk to you about 
another form of betting. Because that's what we're all doing, right? We're all making predictions and stuff, especially with a lockout going on now. And you know who's got you covered the best? Bet Online. They would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. And with the new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website, you can sign up today and receive your 50%. Oh, yeah. You you heard that, right? Don't touch that dial. No, no, no. You don't have to rewind. Don't worry. You heard that correctly. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, guys. Just use our promo code locked on to get started. But whether it be baseball, whether it be football in the playoffs that I can't wait for, by the way, I think this this uh, divisional weekend is going to be awesome. But basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, Vegas casino games, they've got you covered, guys. Don't wait to take advantage of the easiest uh, to use and fastest platform when it comes to betting on sports out there, guys. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's keep this daggone thing moving, ladies and gentlemen. The waning hours, the final moments, the witching hour of today's Locked On Padres episode, guys. Let's talk a little bit more about the first two guys that I mentioned because I didn't talk about them too much, and that's Chris Paddock and Denelson Lamette. So, Chris Paddock, let me just pull up his baseball reference page here. On my phone. Because I don't like to have too many tabs open when I'm recording. Because I feel like it messes up the thing. Anyway. The most concerning thing about Chris Paddock. Aside from just the blank looking at his baseball savant page. In terms of average exit velocity. Max exit velocity. Hard hit percentage. Expected batting average. Expected ERA. Expected weighted on base. Expected slugging. Barrel percentage. And K percentage. And whiff percentage. And the spin on his curveball. He ranks below the 30th percentile in all of those, except for barrel and K percentage, which he is 37th and 35th. The only thing that Paddock was especially good at last year is limiting the walks, which is good. It shows that he's showed a lot more control, especially with his fastball. But I'd be lying to you if I said that I haven't just kind of, I feel like this ship has sailed as Chris Paddock as a starting pitcher. I think Chris Paddock could be a guy that is really effective out of the bullpen. Maybe he just has enough juice to be there. And we've seen guys succeed. Look, the Padres gave one of those guys a big contract, Drew Pomerantz, who hopefully can come back pretty um, healthy and whatnot in 2022. The transition to bullpen is nothing to be upset about when it comes to Chris Paddock, especially with all the arms I've been talking about on this episode. I think he could be very effective. Maybe you use him in a spot start every now and then. But for the most part, I love to see Paddock in the um, bullpen. And my biggest thing with him and why I want to see him in the bullpen Let's break it down. In 2021, his four-seam fastball absolutely getting torched. It just does not have enough vertical drop on it. It's always been a problem with him, and it happened in 2020. It did not improve in 2021. 2020, four-seam fastball, opponents were batting 308 off of it, and then 2021, they were batting 314. So there was no improvement on his most used pitch. 61% of the time using it in 2021, and then 58% in 2020. And arguably even worse, arguably, now, this isn't a seismic change, but it's enough to be brought up. Chris Paddock's changeup. Chris Paddock's changeup was one of the most feared changeups in all of baseball. That is not hyperbole. Straight up, not hyperbole. Opponents hit 187 off of it in 2020. I don't have the numbers. I can't find it on the Savant page for 2019. But bottom line is, people couldn't hit that thing. It was one among the best changeups in all of baseball. It's why he had such a good 2019. And then in 2020... That batting average went up to 234. 
That's interesting. And the expected batting average, if you're wondering, maybe, did he just get a little bit unlucky there? No, 253 for that. Now, those aren't numbers to freak out about. But it does show you, are people starting to catch on to the changeup? And if that's the case, and the base, the fastball is so bad, then maybe this guy just isn't cut out to be like a full-fledged sheriff starting pitcher, right? The only good news about Paddock in 2021 was that he started using his curveball more up from uh, 7% to 12%, and opponents couldn't really hit it all that well, which was very nice, uh, a batting average of 163. But that's my thing, is as soon as he seemed to develop that third pitch, his his ace in the hole went down. So that's the troubling thing about Paddock. He would not be my ideal candidate for the fifth starting spot for the Padres. Then the next one is Denelson Lamette, who I think has to be, in theory, the number f- the case for number five. He has to be. And you know why? It's it's very simple, man. He is so, so, so electric when he is healthy. That is the big whole problem, though. And don't get me wrong. A lot of what we've talked about today is predicated on health. There are a couple guys that depends on skill. That being Blake Snell. That being Yu Darvish. Well, a little bit of Yu Darvish, though, because Yu Darvish apparently had a back soreness and whatnot. But I don't know how much that's supposed to make your ERA a 7. Basically, ever since they started banning the sticky substances, that's a whole other thing. But when it comes to Musgrove, it's skill. When it comes to Snell, it's skill. When it comes to Paddock, same thing, right? With Denelson Lamette, Mike Clevenger, Adrian Monahone, it's about health. And especially in the case of Denelson Lamette. Denelson Lamette finished with a 2.09 ERA in 2020. He was an ace. Straight up, 69 innings, 93 punch outs. This guy has raw ultimate fireball ability with that fastball and slider combination. And I love sliders, man. Sliders just seem to be the pitch that has just paid dividends for Padres pitching these past like two years, whether it be Blake Snell using his slider last year, whether it be Denelson Lamette in 2020, or even Mr. Remember him? Um, I just grabbed my nose again there. Sorry for my YouTube audiences because I didn't want to sneeze. Remember Zach Davies? His slider was killing it too. So that's what's so funny, right? Like that's just these off-speed sliding away pitches, sinker stuff too, has just seemed to pay dividends for the Padres. If you look at his baseball savant page, exit velocity, hard hit percentage, expected batting average, K percentage, chase rate, whiff percentage, fastball spin, very, very up there. Yes, people were able to barrel him, and yes, the ERA stuff was bad, but there's at least some exciting things there showing you that when they do manage to hit Lamette, it's a little bit like, okay, you barely got the ball off on him. You know what I mean? And you're not hitting for too much power. He's not giving up doubles or home runs. That's very, very good. The question is, if at full power, can he be even better? That's the thing with Denelson Lamette. Let's just take a look at some of his pitching stuff just for a reminder about how good this guy is. His slider, let's see the batting average on it. His slider, his number one used pitch in 2020, opponents were batting 80 against it. 80. That's right. 80. That's that's it. 80. And then against his four-seam fastball, 286. Against his sinker, 115. He was a slider-heavy pitcher. Now, you might be saying, well, you were just bagging on Chris Paddock, you know, for people maybe catching up to his changeup. It's possible. It's possible. Why aren't you bagging on people saying in 2021, the slider, uh, it went up a little bit. 158 batting average against. And then his four-seam fastball, 360. Sinker, 600, right? I get it. But also, the whole thing here is that the Nelson Met was hurt. He was dealing with injuries. And the type of hit injuries that he's had, 
on top of the fact that he's apparently been he elected not to go the Tommy John surgery route, how much of that did it impact him? How much of it does his specific delivery, how hard he throws, get impacted by his injuries? I really think that it's not a question. That if healthy, Nelson Lamette is the like number one starter on this team. I, I'm seriously, I think he's the number one starter on this team. Joe, he he would get it obviously because he he's nah Joe. He's the San Diego native man. I mean, come on, he's the best. But in terms of just raw ability. Denelson the Mets, the guy. He is the ultimate X factor for this rotation in 2022. Now, is he going to be healthy? I don't know. But that's the whole thing. If I had to take a shot on a guy, out of everybody that I rank there, let me rank in order of someone comes to me and is like, you must bet on one of these guys. Who is it going to be? My current ranking goes Denelson the Mets, number one. Mackenzie Gore, number two. Then... I think I would go... Who am I forgetting right now? I'm forgetting right now. Didn't I mention five people? Then I think I'd go Adrian Morahone. Then I'd go Chris Paddock. Or then I'd go Ryan Weathers. And then I'd go Chris Paddock. <laughs> or hold on. Let me put Ryan Weathers three, actually. Then Adrian Morahone, just because he's a little bit hurt as well. And then Chris Paddock. I really... I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in Chris Paddock. I just don't think we've seen any, like, moments. You know what I mean? You know how a lot of people are talking about, like, Zach Wilson with the Jets this year and some other rookie quarterbacks and how they're all a mess. Well, Zach Wilson, at least, while he had those nightmarish games against the New England Patriots and threw, like, five picks against them, he did have a couple, like, moments. You know what I'm saying? Like, he did have some games where you're like, whoa, okay then. Like, th- that looked like a, a, a really good quarterback. At least you could say that with people like Weathers, with people like Adrian Mornahon. I can't really say it with Chris Paddock. What was the last good Chris Paddock moment where you were like, that was awesome, and he looked great there? That's just me, guys. He has not been able to keep it together for too long, which is why I think he could be a bullpen guy. It's likely that Weathers and Morahon are also being in consideration for that spot, but Lamette and Mr. Mackenzie Gore are the big X factors, especially with Lamette. If he is healthy, guys, we might not even have to worry about you, Darvish. We might not have to even say, oh, forget Blake Snell. Like It doesn't even matter with him. Musgrove, Clevenger, and Denelson Lamette, just if those three guys hit, the Padres will be electric when it comes to their starting pitching. This is my thing, guys. There are so many possibilities here. This is not Chicago Cubs. This is not the Los Angeles Angels. This is not, you know, what's another good example? Minnesota Twins, right? This is not a rotation full of guys that there's no way you could see it working, right? Can it go bad? Sure. Mike Clevenger could come out and be still injured. And all that bone chip stuff could catch up, and he just gives us a uh, eh, kind of season, right? He gives us like what Blake Snell gave us. That's possible. But it's also possible that he goes out and shows you, here's why I had one of the lowest ERIs among qualified starters since 2017. It wouldn't shock me. You Darvish is you Darvish. Joe Musgrove, we know what he can do. That's a bad man right there. He's a, he's a he's an evil man, that Joe Musgrove. Oh, wicked, wicked, wicked man. Uh, he's a bad man, Joe Musgrove, sometimes when he makes people look like fools with that slider and curveball combination, man. Let me tell you. But that's my thing. A lot of people are really wondering, should they be going for a big starter? Should they be going for Luis Castillo? To that, I say, no way, Jose. Let's keep the farm system depth that we have, keep the assets, and bet on one of these five guys. Morejon, Paddock, Lamet. Gore, and who's the last one I'm forgetting already again? <laughs> and whoever the fifth one is, I, I'm, and Brian Weathers. 
let's bet on one of those guys being able to give us some solid innings this year. That's my take. I hope you agree with it. If not, feel free to yell at me on Twitter. It's fine. But that, everybody, about does it for today's episode. Thank you for making Locked On Potters your hashtag first listen every day. But make Locked On Bets your second listen every day, guys. Your one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. In terms of the future of this pod, guys, uh, next week, I already mentioned it. Probably going to be talking with Arm Layton about the Padres' top 10 prospects breakdown. He will get even deeper into Mackenzie Gore, define the mechanics, because he's seen all the starts, every pitch, right? He's been tracking it and talking about the lake and everything. That'll be a lot of fun. And who rounds out outside the top four? We know it's Hassel. We know it's C.J. Abrams. We know that it's Luis Campizano. Who's the number five guy? Who's the number 10 guy? That's going to be a lot of fun. Also going to be going over the Zips projections. I know I'm a little bit late on it for the Padres in 2022. I think that'll be really fun to go over, especially when it comes to the pitchers that we just went over. And then going to be talking about a whole lot of other things. Let me see. What do I got on this bad boy list of mine? Let's see. We're going to be going over an article in The Athletic from Dennis Lynn, uh, which was like a bunch of mock trades. That should be a really fun episode. Going to be going over... Just everything, man. It's 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 a fun time, guys. It's a fun time. Uh, and I think we're going to really get a lot more creative over these next few weeks. But with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L-O underscore Padres, Lockdown Padres on YouTube. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Take care.